All right. And whether you're here on the patio or online, I want to do a big shout out to everybody and say welcome, but especially to dads. If you're a dad today, then I want to say welcome, welcome, and we hope you know that God has given you a very special responsibility as a father, or a grandfather, or a great-grandfather, or maybe even a great-great-grandfather, uh, to really, really pour into your children and, and really see something great happen in their lives. You know, all the time we want to honor everybody else, it seems like dads don't get the honor they deserve. So today, I'd like all the fathers who are in the room with us, or on the patio, would you stand up? All the dads, stand up right now. So we could say praise God for you. And what a special, special calling we get to have when that is true of us. And uh, you know what is kind of interesting? The research that has come out in the last few years backs up what we've always known. How important, how, how significant a father is, a father figure is in the lives of those who are their children or their children's children. Uh, matter of fact, it's kind of interesting. One of the things I was reading about in research is this, is that uh, a child, a child wants the attention from both parents, but in children, there's something inside them that just think a mom's going to do it. You know, you just kind of expect the mother's going to do that, right? So in a child's mind, at least in the majority of them, when a father does it, the father made a choice. Now, I want you to think about that. In other words, in, to a child, the first person to choose to love them is their dad. And that's a big deal. And when that's missing, that father wound can be significant. You see, most everybody growing up has questions they ask. By the way, boys in particular ask this question. Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I fast enough? Am I smart enough? And then guys ask, will girls like me? <laughs> okay, somebody thinks that's funny. All right, good. But there's something inside that just wants to know, am I okay? And when you have a father who looks at you and says, you're, you're not just okay, you're great. You're special. You matter. That feeds the self-image of a child, both girls and boys, but boys in particular, in a very, very special way. Then, by the way, interestingly, we don't quit asking those questions. As we get older, we still wonder that. Uh, we ask, you know, how do I compare to others? Uh, will my life have meaning? Am I lovable? Do people like me? A lot of people even wonder, do I like myself? Then you get to 35 years of age, and you start asking this, is this all there is? Sad to say from the majority of people, the answer is, I hope not. I hope this is not going to be who I am the rest of my life. This is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. And so a lot of people begin to wrestle that through. Uh, we call that, most everybody knows, the midlife crisis, right? And it's not just a term, it's real. 
God wants you to come to something better. God wants you to know something more important. The father figure God wants to be to you is a very real relationship where he wants to let you know that he loves you, he cares about you, and he wants your life to have amazing, amazing meaning. I'll never forget, by the way, when I was 16 years old, I had saved up. My, my dad had always had me get jobs. Uh, that was how my dad was. At eight years old, I had to get a job, and I had a paper route. Does anybody remember what a paper is? <laughs> okay. And, uh, and then I, I, I saved money in lots of different ways, and my dad said, one day you're going to be glad you did that. And then when I was 16, uh, it was time to buy my first car. Uh, and so I was so excited to do it. My dad was going to partner with me on it. By the way, not on the money side. He had made me save it up. I had to, to spend all my own money on the car. Uh, but, but we began to look for a car, and I wanted a cool car. But all I could afford uh, that, that was on the market where we were at that time was an AMC Javelin. Uh, no, almost nobody remembers those. Yeah, it was a okay. Some of you know it was an AMC Javelin. It was on sale for six hundred dollars. My dad and I went to talk to the person who owned it, and we tried to bargain with them, and we got them all the way down to five hundred and ninety-eight dollars. <laughs> My dad said we can work on it together. That was a big deal back then. It's a bigger deal today. I didn't expect to feel this way. I miss my dad. But I'll never forget that time. My dad had all the tools. He had all the knowledge and all the resources to work on the car. I had no tools, no knowledge, and I needed him badly. But we would go out. I, I would get home from school, and we'd go out and work on that car and work on that car to get it to be, you know, at least somewhat dependable. Uh, then finally, I, I saved up some more money and I was able to paint it uh, gold and, and I got a shark fin racing stripe on it. It looked cool. It looked fast and it wasn't. <laughs> but it looked cool. Uh, the car had some problems with it. Um, Pam and I, not too long after I got it, started dating, and the air conditioner would spit water, you know. And so and it seemed like it spit more on her side than my side, so she's dodging the water. But, man, I'll never forget what it was like to have my dad be a part of redeeming that car from being really a junk piece to something good, to restoring it. And uh, then helping it find more value than I think that we knew it would have. Uh, interestingly, that car again cost me $598. If we had kept it, if we had restored it, if we had done everything it needed, uh, today I found out it would be worth $13,500, far more than what I paid. Not quite 100000 like a Mustang, but it still would be worth way more than it originally was. Now, here's my point. You, you and I are the same way. God wants you to know that you have immense value, but you're far more valuable when you are in the hands of a father who redeems you, restores you, renews you, and, and aligns you to your purpose. And, and in Titus chapter 3, it says these words. In Titus 3 verse 3, it says, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts 
and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. By the way, I think that's a description of this last year in this country. And then it goes on to say, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by washing, the washing of regeneration and the renewing, catch this idea, renewing, by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God wants you to be to be a classic and even better. God wants you to be more valuable than you can imagine. God wants to do something really special in you and with you and for you. He really wants it for you. He did it by paying an incredible price so he could have ownership in your life. By the way, whoever owns something, that can increase its value. When I was at the Dade Family Car or Dade Family Car Museum where we filmed some of the things you saw, I walked in and there was a car that was clearly from England. And I walked up and the car basically is priceless today. Here's why. It's the car that used to carry Lady Di, Lady Diana, uh, to her job when she was a teacher. The royal family dedicated that car to her, gave that car to her. So the fact that she owned that car, the fact it chauffeured her, makes it priceless today. See, God wants to own you, and if God owns you, then it's priceless. And if you have Jesus, your life then has everything it needs, so God richly wants to bestow this on you. I, I remember reading the story of a, a man who was very, very wealthy, and uh, he lived in England, by the way, and his son ended up going into the military and, sad to say, was killed while he was in the military. It was his only child, and he was heartbroken. So when he died, he had no heir to leave all his fortune to. And so what he did is he had a, had a plan that it would be put up for auction. And so people came from all over because of the amazing things he had within his estate and they began with the auction with a picture of his son. Well, who wanted the picture of someone else's son, right? So the auctioneer said, what are my bids? And nobody bidded. And finally, a man who knew the family stood up and he began to bid. And he finally paid $500 for the picture of this, this young guy who had passed away serving his country. And uh, at that moment, they said, going, going, gone. And he got the painting for $500. And then the auctioneer said, that ends our auction today. And everyone's going, what? And they're going crazy. What do you mean it ends the auction? And it says, the, the estate owner was very clear in his wishes. Whoever gets the painting of the son gets everything else he has. Whoever has the son gets everything. Don't miss that's true in life. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Yeah, praise God for that. And you become redeemed and you become renewed and restored and, and, and even better than new uh, when you're in Christ. And that's what God promises. So I want to give you five life lessons that I learned working with my dad. And I mean both my earthly father on that car and my heavenly father on my life. 
Uh, lesson number one, let go of the old. Uh, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I hope one day you would choose to follow Jesus. Commit your life to Jesus. Let God take ownership in your life. But if you are a Christian, this definitely applies to you. The minute you become God's, God wants you to let go of the old. And he wants you to embrace the new. You and I are to be a new creation. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, I, I want you to know how real that is. Yeah, praise God for that. But too many of us, do you know what we do? We hold on to the old. We hold on to our old past. We hold on to the old hurts. We hold on to the old pains. The old sin, the old shame. Uh, I, I actually love to joke around, most of you know, and one of my favorite ways to joke around, and I, I get away with this one all the time, is when I'm back behind the scenes here, on, and it's time for baptisms to get ready. I walk up to people, and when I see someone's really nervous, I say, hey, hey it's going to be awesome. Just think about the Lord. Now, when you go out there, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to name some of the worst sins you've ever committed. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> And this one guy one day looked at me and said, that'll be easy, there's none. And I went, I mean none? He goes, in Christ, I'm a new creation. It's gone, man. <laughs> and the Lord wants you to experience that, that kind of love, that kind of care, everything in your life that way. And so he wants you to let go, let go of the old. Uh, Jesus actually tells a parable about that and gives us a life lesson on that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 16, where it says this. Jesus said, but no one, no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the worst tear results. In other words, you don't put a, a new on an old or it'll wreck everything. It, it ends up destroying the very purpose that it would have. Then he says, nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins and they're both preserved. Why? Because when you pour in wine, it expands. And, and so you want to pour it into something that can expand with it, that can grow with it. By the way, that's a clear teaching Jesus is giving is when you become a new creation, God pours the Holy Spirit within you and it expands. It's expansive and takes over your life and is vibrant, alive and shows you new things. God doesn't want you holding on to the old. God doesn't want you to see yourself as who you used to be. God wants you to experience the new that he's given you so that you might live in that. So the old you is gone and the new you is now. The old, old is put away. The new you is loving, not hateful. The new you is truthful and doesn't live in the lie. The new you has a purpose and a destiny so you don't walk around wondering about the meaning in life. The new you is ready to be guided by the Holy Spirit and experience new things and new ways as God is always showing you something. And it's life and life abundantly. And if you're here or you're online or on the patio and you aren't living in this new, God wants it for you. 
And it's the best life you could ever live. And I'm hoping and praying that every one of us would want that more than ever. Uh, so God's great desire is that you and I would live in the new. Uh, so number one, let go of the old and it is a lesson that we need to do. Uh, by the way, when I was working on the car with my dad, we let go a lot of old things. Uh, an old carburetor and old spark plugs and old, and we just threw them all. They all went to the trash and new was put in. And God wants to put new things in you. The second thing that I want you to learn from your heavenly father and that I learned from my dad working on the car was enjoy the learning process. Enjoy the learning process. Enjoy how God's going to teach you things every day. By the way, I told you, and it was true, I knew very little about working on cars, but when I got out there with my dad, who knew pretty much everything, I actually couldn't wait to learn from my dad. I mean, I remember getting home from school and waiting for my dad to get home from work, and out came the tools, and we would learn something new that day. Uh, as we began to work on it together, and I want to say this, that this time I spent with my dad working on that car was more valuable, just like I told you a minute ago today, than it was, it was even back then, way more than the car. And God wants you to love what he does with you in life. He wants to teach you new things, show you new things. Uh, and that means that you need to enjoy even when it's hard. I remember there were certain bolts that were, seemed harder to get to. Certain parts of the car that, that by the way, were, like they were frozen in place. And, and I didn't know how, how to, to get them off. I didn't know the miracle of something called WD-40 back then. <laughs> but in those moments, you know what my dad would do? He'd stand back and say, you can do it. Now, he could do it. But he told me I could do it. And then I'd put my hand in the wrong place the wrong way. I'd grab the wrong tool. And my dad would wait and say, well, let's try it a little differently. Do you know what he didn't do? He didn't do it for me. By the way, all the guys in the room, don't you think that's the better way to go from a dad? Yeah. God could do anything, but he very, very often won't do it for you, but he'll do it with you. See, uh, we're going to have trials. We're going to have moments that things go wrong. We're going to have uh, 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 things that break, things that aren't as easy as they could be. Um, and you know what? It happens in that moment is for most of us guys, we call that the curse of Eve and we blame women. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Okay, I thought that was funnier than you did. If I was just online right now, that would be fun. And what are we supposed to do? Consider it all joy. James chapter 1 verse 2 is, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. Knowing that when you're having a problem, knowing when you're facing a challenge, it can make you better, it can make you wiser, it can teach you a lesson that you might need later. Um... I'm not honestly that good at fixing things, but whenever anything breaks uh, and I get a chance to go at it, I actually enjoy it. And then there's a moment that very often comes when I don't have the actual tool I need. And uh, I actually get really excited and Pam goes, oh no, why are you so excited? I go, I get to go to Home Depot. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Some of you guys are like, dude, it broke, gotta go to Home Depot. 
So in those moments, what happens, you get tested. In those moments, you might have to work in a different way. And God wants you to enjoy the process, the challenge, the opportunity to, to grow, the opportunity to get better. So that's what I learned working with my dad. Whenever it got hard, guess what? I got to learn something new. I've learned that from my heavenly father. When life gets hard, we get to try something new. This last year, we tried a lot of things new. And uh, this, uh, I was just with a bunch of executive pastors, and I told them, this last year was my favorite year of ministry in all my years of ministry. And that might surprise you. You know why? Because we just had to lean on God the whole time. And uh, it was awesome. So you got to let go of the old. You have to enjoy the, the learning process. Number three, don't give up. Don't give up. By the way, my dad was a big don't give up guy. If I ever went to quit anything, he was always like, no, this is not going to happen. You are going to make it through. Uh, so when working on the car, you couldn't give up. You had to figure out how to get it done. And my dad wanted me to learn that rule for life. My heavenly father wants you and I uh, to learn the same thing. And so God is going to work on you so you little by little grow, knowing that the transformation process is happening. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. By the way, uh, being a Christian creates freedom in your life, not bondage. Uh, and, and in that relationship with God, you get freer and freer and freer. And then it says, But we all with an unveiled face beholding us in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Now, I read that really quick, but don't miss what it says. It, it says, As I am with Jesus, and I'm focusing on Jesus, I am slowly but surely being transformed into his image. It's a little at a time. It's not instantaneous. But I'm going to become more patient. I'm going to become more loving. I'm going to become wiser. I'm going to become more righteous. I'm going to become a, a, a person whose natural reaction is the supernatural reaction of love. Those things are going to happen in, over the course of time. And the more I focus on Jesus, he's going to do that. And so what happens is he's going to constantly uh, take me to a place where I see the good and see the good and, and see the better. Somehow, some way, Jesus will always turn it to good. Uh, I love Romans 8, 28. It says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So if you and I love God and if we live our life according to the purpose he has for us, we're going to find everything in our life somehow used for good. Maybe to change us, maybe to transform us, maybe to give us opportunities to grow like we've never had before. John Newton was the first that we know of to coin these words. He said, I am not what I ought to be, I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be. But I am still not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, are, are any of us perfect? No, including me. But I can promise you something. My wife will tell you that I'm a better man today than I was when she first married me. And it's because of the Lord. 
And so those things in our life that have, have happened, those challenges that have come our way, have allowed me to become a better man. Let me tell you something that without a doubt is true. The things that have really worked to make me better were the greatest heartbreaks of all. I think it made me more aware of other people's hurt and pain. More sensitive to the times that things aren't easy for them or that things are super hard for them. It caused me to have this incredible thing called empathy. And uh, God wants me to have that, and, and it's not going to come without pain. It's not going to come without heartbreak. But in those moments, God the Father comes close and says, let me show you something. Let me teach you something here. And I want to change you little by little to be more loving, more kind, more godly, more caring. So God wants us to do that. Then the fourth thing I want you to know is that you need to align yourself with God. Uh, when I was working on the car with my dad, I would go out on the road and that AMC Javelin would always pull to the left. And you got, have you ever driven a car that pulls? Anybody here? Isn't it aggravating? Now, did anybody do this? Did you hit it the wheel hoping somehow that would put it back in alignment? Some of you go, no, I wouldn't do I did that all the time. I'm like, come on, you know, hoping. If I turned it hard enough, somehow that would pop it into alignment. But it didn't. It never worked. But I couldn't allow it to stay that way because if I did, it would, it would ruin the tires and, and make driving a, a, actually, you know, a pain. So eventually my dad said, earn the money because we didn't have the tools to do it. And I finally was able to take it into a shop and, and pay them. And it took them, I think, 10 minutes. And I got the car out and drove. And it was like, oh, it's a dream. And I remember taking my hands off the wheel going, yes. When you're aligned with God, that's how life is. It's not easy, but it's way better. It's way better to go down the road straight the way God wants you to. Yeah. In Deuteronomy 5.32, it says, So you shall observe to do just as the Lord your God commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. Isn't that interesting? The Lord said, I want you to go straight ahead. I don't want you pulling this way or pulling that way. I, I want you to go the right direction. I, I love this in Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. It says, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. So God wants me, God wants you to, to, to go straight ahead on that straight path, that good path, that righteous path. And so God wants that to be what happens to you. So when I'm aligned with God, uh, I'm going to allow myself to be the kind of person God wants me to be. It's going to affect every single area of my life. So God says, that's what I want you to do. I want you to look straight ahead. I, I want you to be faithful to your wife. I want you to be a loving father to your sons. I want you to be a, a grandfather who has patience and care for your grandchildren. I want you to be a leader who, who leads according to the ways that God has guided and determined. And so God wants us to do that and not pull, not battle, not try to get out of whack. 
And so you and I need to seek to be that way, the way God wants us to be. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said these words. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me all you guys who are so tired. You're tired of life being so hard. You're tired of the pain. You're tired of the weight that you're carrying. And he said, take my yoke upon you. And the yoke was something you put on an oxen so that it would be guided by a master. Who, by the way, would cause it to go straight. And not veering to the right or to the left. So that it would, it would fulfill its purpose in a way that would be actually easier. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he said, I, I want you to do that. I want you to live that way. I, I want you to go that direction. And then the fifth lesson I learned from my dad, both in heaven and on earth, is this. Keep your eye on the end goal. Keep your eye on the end goal. When that AMC Javelin was first sitting in our driveway, it didn't look good. Uh, there were lots of problems with it, but I, I, I began to visualize what it could be, even with the paint job that it would have, all the things that could change. And so every time we worked on it, and it was hours and hours of work, we kept our eyes on that end goal of what it would mean when it was finally done, when it was finally transformed, when it was finally ready. And God wants you to keep the eye on the end goal for you and your life so that you, you have the answer to all those questions that plague so many people. Am I enough? In Jesus Christ, you're more than enough. Am I someone that people will like? Are you ready for this? God likes you. Did you know that God likes you? Uh, and he, he really knows who you can be. Am I someone that's going to know love. And you know what's so wild is God not only wants you to know love, he wants you to know unconditional love. Do I have a purpose? Well, God not only has a purpose for you, he has a destiny. A destiny he wants you to experience and live out so that you're able to look at your life and know that you have meaning and matter. And then one day it's all gonna be finished. One day it's all going to come to that last moment where you go, I'm there. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah. He's working with you and on you and through you, if you let him. And if you haven't yet, you're missing out on everything that God wants for you and that matters in life more than you know. God has a plan for you. The Bible says in Psalm 139, he actually wrote it down. He has a written plan of what he wants to occur in your life, what he wants you to experience, what he wants you to know. And he wants you to begin to experience all of it in a very real and vivid way. So if you're here right now or you're watching online or on the patio, I want you to know that God cares about you. And if you're not living a life where you know your Heavenly Father's with you, you know your Heavenly Father's for you, you know that He's, he's got things He wants to unveil and you're seeing it happen, 
then you're a prayer away from it occurring. The Bible says that what we do to get in line with God is we commit our life to Him. We pray a prayer and tell Him, yes, I want you and I want the life you have for me. So right now, if you're not in a relationship with God that's very, very real, where He's your Father, He's truly God the Father, the Dad to you that He wants to be, then on this Father's Day, the best gift you could give Him is you. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for your Holy Spirit to be with every every single one of us. And I pray, Lord, for anybody who needs to open their heart to you or commit their life to you. Lord, I pray if someone's online right now watching and, and they need that love, they need that care, they need to have that weight lifted. I pray right now they would know you're with them. Or maybe they're here in the building, Lord, or on the patio. But you know them by name. Jesus, you love them. You care about them, and I pray they could sense that. Right now, if that's you, I'm praying that you're going to say yes to God. I'm praying you're saying next to God. Yes, say yes to God. Come close to God. And if you're ready to do that, pray a prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. Say that again. I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Well, amen. You know what? If you enjoyed that service, I hope you leave a comment for us. We would love to connect with you at some point, even after the service, just letting you know how much we appreciate you being here with us. But if you made a decision for Christ today, either for the first time or you're recommitting your life to him, let us know by texting amen to 77247, or you can always head to crossroadschurch.family and click on I said yes to Jesus. Why is this important? We want to know everyone who's watching out there. We don't want you to be anonymous because we want to also give you resources and tools to help you on your journey with Jesus. And in that journey, you might want to reach out to someone you you can ask questions to and just take your next step. We have those people standing by. We just need your information so we can connect with you that way. So again, you can text AMEN77247 or head to crossroadschurch.family. Click on I Said Yes to Jesus. But we hope you guys have an awesome day. Once again, if this message impacted your life, would you just 
please click the like button or share it with someone who might benefit from hearing it as well. But we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and right here back on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. live or on demand at any other time that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, guys. We'll see you again next time.